Welcome to the recap. Part of Pastoring Out Loud, where we recap the previous week's sermon. We haven't done an acronym in a while. Revelatory accessibility precedes. Oh, wait. No, accessibility E. Sorry. Revelatory escapades precedes. No, C. The P's at the end. Res- revelatory. Re- oh, repack. Recap. Yeah, you're right. Revelatory <laughs> escapades seed acceptable <laughs> principles. That was good. That was a journey is what it was. <laughs> Revelation chapter two, <laughs> verses one through seven, right? Is that the, yeah, it's one through seven. The uh, letter to Ephesus. Dave, uh, you preached and uh, did it feel like you were spreading your wings <clears throat> past your manuscript and flying a couple of times? Apparently. <gasps> Which I thought happened? was great, by the way. I thought it was good too. Yeah. What? Oh, when you were like, he where just am like I? went off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For such a long time that he forgot where he was. Well, I didn't really <laughs> notice until you said, no, where am I? I don't know where I'm at. I, uh, <laughs> I said that because otherwise I was worried it'd be a long pause and people think it was for dramatic effect. <laughs> I really just lost my spot. I was trying to be honest. Honesty is a good quality in a pastor. Walk <laughs> us through the sermon. I agree. Um, Talked about uh, the first kind of the introduction, just about how these letters are to be heard and heeded uh, by us, and uh, the sweetness of that for the church, universal, and for local churches that are expressions of that. But also, just felt uh, as I was preparing, felt kind of weighty. Like it can be, it's you know, it's dangerous. We should really want to hear and heed, and not you know, kind of take it lightly. And so we talked about that at the beginning as the setup. And then we, I talked about his present and promised present. So we talked about how the introduction and the conclusion of each of the letters, <coughs> the introduction always gives a picture of Christ, and the conclusion always makes a promise for those that heed. And so talked about how those, um, those kind of frame up the issue, as it were, for every church. And, and here it seemed to me that the presence of Christ promised as the one who walks among the golden lampstands and holds the seven stars in his hand. And then the promise of eating from the tree of life at the end were, uh, is Jesus, is Jesus what you want most? Is him being with you the thing that you love most? Um, and then went on there to their encouragement. They're encouraged for being faithful, faithful in deed and doctrine. They were able to spot false teachers. They were able to um, be pure from many of the sinful things going on around them, according to the commendation, and talked about how that's a real commendation. You know, sometimes when you hear this preached, it's like, well, yeah, they got a lot of stuff right, but they didn't love people. And it's kind of almost set up like, oh, they're getting things right is why they didn't love people. And yet here, Jesus says, I'm so thankful you love what I love and hate what I hate, and you've remained faithful and you've endured, which is that word that we keep seeing um, through trial. And so a real commendation. So said, you know, I want South City's church to be a place where we uh, care a ton about getting Jesus right, getting doctrine right, uh, avoiding false teaching, becoming more and more holy. And then talked about the exhortation, which was that they had lost their first love. And so they were called to repent and do the works they had done at first. Otherwise he would 
remove their lampstand, which means I'll end your church. And so talked about the, even though there was a lot of good going on, they needed to repent and talked about what, yeah, what that languishing love looked like, probably in relation to not, you know, treasuring and trusting him anymore like they had, what we see in Ephesians 1.15, your faith in Lord Jesus. And then the second part is your love for all the saints. So I think that was languishing as well. So rather than being a kind of church that is trusting in Jesus and humble and repentant, bringing their their wickedness to the public scare, burning their stuff like we see in Acts 19, they probably were starting to shine that light around to each other and um, not love each other but and not be humble, repentant people, but probably a proud, unloving people um, that was not uh, most in love with the fact that Jesus was there with them, uh, therefore not loving each other, unified around that, and therefore probably not loving the world around them very well, but becoming an inclusive little cloistered group. Yeah, that's Something good. like that. Nick, Stacy, <coughs> stuff that you wrote down, stuff that you considered as you were listening or since. Go ahead. Well, I was just thinking... Actually, right now, as you were sharing about it, you know, we just heard through the sermon series on Ephesians and, you know, one of my favorite verses from that is Paul's prayer for them, Mm -hmm. that they would know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Yeah. And so now, like how many years later would you say, like where Mm -hmm. they're at? It's probably 40 years later. Yeah. Yeah. 30 to 40 years later. I find it sad to think about, you know, and sobering, like you said, as you prepared to preach this, that... Um, that could have been an area that they could have excelled in. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe they were for a while or something. But yeah, I, I appreciated how you did highlight the commendation and didn't kind of make doctrine, you know, go against love or something like that. Because mm. um, I feel like sometimes we can hear that. But yeah, it was sobering to think about. And I liked how you had us, I think, pray before. Didn't you have us do that? I yeah. feel like I remember doing that. Yeah. <laughs> um, just you like, remember praying at some point? Yeah, you know, but just before we were going to receive it, like what does the Lord have for us? Like what encouragement and exhortation does he have for us? And mm. I like, I thought that was helpful. <clears throat> Good. Do you guys know what a sine wave is? No, nope. I think so. <laughs> Ethan's um, looking at me like, what? Yeah, a sine wave. <clears throat> so it's a, it's a wave in sound that goes like this above and below an axis. You're, you're making a motion that like nobody can yeah, see. Yeah, yeah. It goes above and below. <laughs> okay. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know this isn't helpful, but that's what I thought of with this sermon because I feel like it's easy to fall off one side. So like just picture mm-hmm. a line that's mm-hmm. an axis and you can be on one side that's like heavy on doctrine Mm-hmm. and no love. And then mm-hmm. you can fall off the other side. Mm-hmm. It's like, you don't really care about doctrine because mm-hmm. that just deadens your faith, right? Mm-hmm. But heavy on love. And I feel like churches often just go up and down, mm-hmm. above the axis, below the axis, above the axis, below the axis. And I was thinking, <clears throat> you know, we'll probably never be perfect at it. Mm-hmm. But my hope is that the swings up and swings down will get smaller and smaller and smaller. Mm. so that they'll be closer and closer and closer mm-hmm. yeah. to that axis of loving God, caring about doctrine, really identifying what's wrong, 
and loving people. Mm. I don't know. I mean, if you know what a sine wave, it may, maybe that's helpful, but it, maybe it's not. So <laughs> sorry to take up two minutes. <laughs> no, it's good. It's fine. Um, what is love? <laughs> Dave. When we talk about when we talk about love in this uh, particular, you know, I'm not sure. Based on that, people know what you're referring to. <laughs> Are you saying I was off tune? Yeah, <laughs> that's fine. What is love? People probably think he's auto tuned. That's fine. Can you auto tune this, Ethan? Okay. Um, in this context, you you said it uh, in the sermon. Um, you alluded to it a little bit in your recap there, um, but just to put a point on it, love is not a feeling. Love, at least in the context of the first seven verses, the, or these, this letter to the Ephesians, is what? What is love? What are they failing to do that they need to do? Yeah, I think that um, because of the intro and because of the promise, I think that they have forgotten the reality of how they've been loved in Christ as the main thing that they cherish. And you could even, maybe another way to say it would even be the the main place they place their trust or their hope, like Stacy said, you know, that prayer in Ephesians 3. And because of that, uh, they are not doing the works, the deeds they did beforehand, which I take to be humble repentance and love for one another primarily, but also perhaps um, an unwillingness to uh, share the love of Christ with their neighbor because it's more of a us against them versus us for them kind of internal culture. Sure. So, yeah. So, so yeah, I would say love is not a feeling, but understood rightly will certainly produce feelings um, towards people and towards Christ, obviously. So, yeah. So I, I, that's a that's probably how I'd put it based on what we know. You know, I tr- I tried to. I don't. I don't love guessing. We have to do that a little bit more with some of the other churches. Yeah. We just don't know as much about them. So that's kind of based on what you see in the promises and the warnings. <clears throat> and it's also based on what we, we do know a little bit more about Ephesus early on than some of these other churches. So Yeah, a lot more written about it. Yeah. If you include both the pastorals, the letter to Ephesian. You know, Even in Acts a little Fusion bit. letter, Acts, yeah, yeah and all the, all the rest. Good. Um, so I've got two other questions. From the text, um, what, you, you explained the Nicolaitans well. Um, you know, as far as apostles who are apostles but ain't, mm-hmm. ain't no apostle. Uh, I, would you just see that as coextensive with what's going on with the Nicolaitans? That what the false apostles were teaching was whatever the Nicolaitans were teaching, or is that something different? Because you got false apostles in Second Corinthians as well that it doesn't, to my knowledge, appear like they're encouraging idolatry. They're just more like, you know, uh, Corinthians get crazy with those gifts, yo, and it's unhelpful. Um, do you think that this group of apostles is the same kind of thing as what's happening with the Nicolaitans? I mean, it's impossible to know for sure. Yeah. But I think I do take them because of the separation of the first couple of verses, and then it kind of comes back to it. In verse 6, I think I do take them as separate. Okay. Um, although it's impossible to know, uh, because even in Second Corinthians, the false apostles are those who are 
Yeah, I mean, like you said, there, it probably has to do with spiritual gifts and other things like that. But even there, it's not terribly defined. It, 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 what Paul has the most problem with is that they're submitting themselves to false teachers who kind of want to beat them up and they're letting yeah, it happen. Yeah. Abuse um, them. And yeah. so it seems to me like it's probably different groups. I'm not sure there'd be a way to know for certain if he's restating or saying something different. Um, but I lean towards something different because of what I just said and because the Nicolaitans are mentioned later. Later on, yeah. yeah. And, and yeah, false apostles defined. are not. Yep, yep, yeah. true. Is that tree of life that's promised as uh, for the one who conquers, which we take to be fighting the fight of faith all the way to the point of death, whether a martyr's death or just any death faithfully, like, is that a literal tree of life? Hmm. Or is that, you talked about it symbolically, and the most important thing is that it, like, you know, it's eternal life. It's in the presence of God yeah. uh, by the time we get to chapter 22. But should we start taking some of these things literally as we see the, kind of the rewards unpacked? Or is it better to say maybe, and just kind of be more hands-off about what it points to? What do you think? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean... You're going to see it again later in Revelation, and obviously commentators are divided there too on if it's literal or not. I don't think it matters much in the point of the text, to be honest, but I I think I would take it as more uh, of an analogy or figuratively, symbolically. Uh, So much of what we see in Revelation is symbolic, pointing back to the Old Testament. I think this is pointing all the way back to Genesis and what they right. lost in their unfaithfulness, and so saying, now that you're, you're going to be with me, here's what you're going to gain um, in in this eternity with me. So that's the way I lean, but I think that there's faithful ways to read the text and say, no, there's going to be a literal tree of life. I just don't, as I conceive of the way the author's writing Revelation, I don't see in the new heavens and the new earth that every morning, you know, we're going to line up at the tree. Yeah, yeah. If that makes sense. No, it does. Yeah, and I think, you know, as you look at the seven things, it's more than seven, but the rewards, the seven churches, um, all of them speak to spiritual realities of being in the presence of God without shame and in full fellowships. That means eternal life. That means authority. That means deep personal fellowship, um, you know, all these other things. So whatever precisely it might mean, it certainly means that. Right. At the very least. Anything that anybody else would add about the sermon? Man, I love me some revelation. Mm. So good. Love the smell of revelation in the morning. Well, we'll uh, continue with uh, the next church, which is Sardis? Pergamon? Smyrna. Smyrna, that's right. Smyrna. Smyrna, <clears throat> Smyrna with that Antipas. I think uh, it's the shortest letter. It is. Yeah. You know, you'll have to preach your heart out, man. Stick close to that manuscript. Get get everyone out early for the Super Bowl. Just kidding. Wait, is there a oh, Super Bowl? Oh, there is the Super Bowl. <laughs> not no. till five thirty. Yeah, we've got time. We'll, we'll get everyone out by four thirty. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> All right, thanks everyone.